We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we do so delightfully with our good buddy Sam Stone, who is in studio with us. Happy to take calls with you. Sam is a political consultant. He is the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. they got great guests, great political conversation. We're actually talking right now with Vivek Ramaswamy about having him on on an upcoming show, which I I would be so excited to do. Well, I mean, you know, we think about and we talk about Republicans who are unafraid and unafraid to go right at it, as Admiral Nelson once put it, uh, and all the tough issues that other people are afraid to talk about and other people think but are afraid to talk about. He, He will. He will do it. And... You know, he's spending an awful lot of time in Iowa. Iowa can be a surprise to people sometimes. Iowa and New Hampshire can be a significant surprise. He is also spending some time in Georgia. Uh Uh, Obviously, Florida, you see him going to do some things. Uh, I think I saw him on the the list for, um, I believe it was Freedom Fest also, Uh which is interesting, right? So he's courting that that sort of libertarian-leaning crowd also. And... um, you know, he's really interesting right now. I, I think he's not one we're going to see with this early peak and then it fades. I, I think he's going to build – I really see kind of an analogy to Ron Paul mm-hmm. when he ran mm-hmm. where I I, I don't believe uh, there's any chance that he wins the nomination. Um, as much as I think he deserves to be in the conversation to win it, I, I think the, the deck is very stacked and it might be the kind of thing where – this sets him up to become a senator or sets him up for a future run or something. Um, but he is clearly speaking to things that stir people's souls. Yeah, and strum our strings. I mean, yeah. just just when they need to be. And, um, and uh, you know, a couple runs for president, you can all uh, – you can become president later. Ask Ronald Reagan. Yeah, no, I, I mean – George I, Bush. I, I think there's a really good argument for him to – no matter what happens in this election, stay part of this process. Well, it's a conversation we need to hear, and his points and his debate and his debating style is important, and there's no better megaphone and microphone than this candidacy. I'm all for it for that reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love candidates who are doing what he's doing right now, which is, look, you're using this platform to go out and talk about issues that are important and that matter to you um, and helping frame that national discussion that way. I think that's an incredibly valuable thing for somebody to be doing. Uh, Jeremy, I'll get to you in just a moment. We have a caller on hold. Jeremy wants to weigh in on something. But before, I just want to make one more point about by Vivek Ramaswamy, and it's this. Um, In 2015, that's when Donald Trump first announced for the presidency, he was uh, thought to be uh, a joke. I mean, it was thought to be a joke. But one of the many things that worked for him, ultimately earning him the nomination in the general election, was that he spoke to things that no one else was willing to, but that a lot of people he knew were thinking and yeah, were it, afraid to talk it about. It was stuff that mattered. Mm-hmm. Stuff that yeah. mattered, but that people were not 
feeling comfortable talking about. Yeah, no, I and he I, did look, that, and I, Vivek is doing that now. I, I absolutely, and I fully credit Donald Trump with setting the standard where people could fight back on some of this fronts. And it's actually one of the things, Seth, that bothers me most right now with his current campaign, where they're really running away uh, and, and signaling that they're running away from the culture war issues, right. and. Look, this is the guy that broke the trail that showed other Republicans you didn't have to run away from the culture war. So I I really – to me, that's actually the most important battle we're fighting today because otherwise – you know, look, if if all we're doing is talking about the size of government and marginal tax rates, then you're George W. Bush and that's fine. It's just not what the country I think needs right now. And so I've been really disappointed that they're not – um, embracing his status as the guy who opened that ball yep. on Democrats. So, you know, play. You, you started the game. Play ball. Yeah, absolutely right. That's absolutely right. If you, by the way, think that um, these cultural issues don't have resonance and can keep you from electoral victory, ask Brian Kemp, ask Ron DeSantis. Ask Amy Carney, ask Glenn Karen Youngkin. Werner, ask Glenn Youngkin, ask J.D. Vance. Yeah. yeah. No, look, this stuff, this stuff is winning ground for us right. because the left has gone so crazy. Right. You know, we had a hard time. I think we got afraid because we were fighting on abortion and marijuana and a couple of and gay marriage and we kept losing. Right. I mean, we just kept getting our butts handed to us in those fights. But we're in fights now that we are winning. Mm-hmm. So do not run away from that fight. Yep. Be not afraid. Let me take this call from Jeremy real quick, and we'll get to our other stuff, too. We always say the most important voice is yours. By yours, we mean the caller. Jeremy, you're on with me and Sam Stone. Hi, Seth. Um, So I was calling about a term that I haven't really given much credence to in the past, and I know I've heard other conservatives poo-poo the idea of mass incarceration. Okay. And obviously, coming from the left, that's a term they use about populations in prison. But when you make neighborhoods so unsafe, you can't go to the drug counter corner drugstore. Mm-hmm. Isn't that mass incarceration of the civilian population? Yeah, it's an excellent point. Actually, the mass that is it, it's 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 putting fear in the masses i i've never liked this term mass incarceration because i think it's a um it's a buzzword that the left has seized on well less than 1% of our let me better put it better less than one half of 1% of our population is incarcerated less than one half of 1% of our population by what definition in any dictionary does that constitute massive Less than well, one half of one percent. I, I, thank. I mean, and, and thank you. This. I think this is a great question, and it's an important. It's important ground to cover. Um, we don't have a problem. We're not sending an, an an inordinate number of people to jail. Where this country has a major problem with our legal system and our prison system is that we do a non-existent to horrifically bad job of reintegrating prisoners of into society. Sure. And we our anti-recidivism programs are garbage. Right. And part of that, by the way, is because the left doesn't let us do the things that we really need to do. So if you're in, you know, a lot of these European countries that they point to, um, they they may give you a relatively shorter prison sentence, or they may not send you to prison originally. They may send you to a psychiatric care facility 
um, or a lifestyle, you know, faci- I mean, they really go in terms of all these other programs that are not, they're not choices, right? Here, we our legal system, largely because of what the left has done, does not allow us in most cases, and you and I have talked about this a lot dealing with the homeless, right? Mm-hmm. We do not have a range of choices that other countries have when addressing issues in criminal, you know, in in uh, criminal populations and homeless populations and mentally ill populations. We do not have the ability to forcibly intervene. Right. Right. And 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 that's the difference. We have a really high rate of people who commit crimes after going to jail. They get out and they commit another crime. That's where our numbers get skewed. It's not with the people who are originally entering the system. It's with repeat offenses. It's with repeat offenses and it's with the reticence to actually arrest the criminals, the reticence to do so. Well, now that's a new thing. And this is insanity. Right. I mean, it is really insanity. Neely should have never been out in public. He was out wanted on an arrest warrant. No, absolutely. Most people who are arrested are, are when they find them, when they finally get them, they realize they're wanted for a bunch of other crimes, too. Yeah. No, look, that is always the case. This whole notion that we put people in crime in in jail for minor nonviolent crimes is garbage. Right. The only time that they can kind of point to that is when it's a plea deal right. from a often a long string of other offenses, right. and the prosecutor just goes, "Well, if you'll take two years, we'll, we'll just, save us yeah. a trial." Yeah. Right. right. And so you know, it looks like a minor charge. So it looks like oh, simple assault or something. Or possession. You know, yeah. Possession. Yeah. You got into a fight or you got pulled over. You had something in your pocket. That's what it sounds like. The truth is, you know, it's you not were, the rap sheet, no, baby. That is not the rap sheet. No, no. So you know, stop this. That, stop this. It, and that leads me to another thing. I I love this. Do not use the language of the left. Good. We don't do. We don't mass incarcerate anybody in this country. Less than half of one percent right. of our population. We do not do it. Do not use their language ever. Use this language. Use the language of the right. Does William Buckley constitute the right? Use this language. Quote, the protection of the individual against the criminal is the first and highest function of government. The failure of government to provide protection is nothing less than the failure of government. Use that language. Sam and I will be right back. Add that to the bumper and quit tormenting me with that. I have a refractory producer, folks. That's my problem. I usually allow him two assaults on my conscience in any given day. Usually they're one of his political pins and his wonderfully smelling lunch because he knows I don't eat and I'm just consuming myself and nothing but jealous. But then you did a stupid carpenter's version of Ticket to Ride. Going out of the last segment, which shall be no more. If you like the Carpenters, I'm okay with the Carpenters, but give me the Carpenters that we all know. We've only just begun. Rainy days and Mondays, top of the world. What it, muskrat love I would take over that swill of a sound you gave us, that cacophony. The Beatles, fine, and you can add that. That was a good one. But yeah. stop it. I'm begging you, stop it with the least known thing of, a, of, of, an, of an artist. Are we going to... When 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 Tony Tennille died, when Tony Tennille died, uh, I told my buddy Jim, and he said, of Captain and Tennille? And I said, yeah. And he said, Butterscotch Castles? What? Who? 
No, muskrat love. Captain Intent. Okay. We're not identifying people and things anymore by their least known thing. We're just not doing it. We're not doing it. What have you had to say for yourself? Seth, you're embarrassing me in front of Sam. I'm embarrassing you in front of company? Yes. (laughs) I'm looking at Bill. Bill's just glad he's not in the firing line right now. (laughs) Uh, Did you know that the captain and Tennille performed at a state dinner, Sam? In, yeah, I did. For Gerald Ford, for the Queen of England. Wow. And they performed Mas- Muskrat Love, and the ki- Queen of England was just befuddled. What could this? What is the meaning of this? <laughs> she said, what is this? Muskrat Love, Muskrat Susie. What can possibly be the meaning of this? All right, Sammy, what did you think of the uh, town hall last night? Um, there's a lot to say about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot to say about it. Look, Caitlin Collins embarrassed herself. Let's just start there, right? I mean, this is pitched as a Republican town hall, and none of your questions are anything that interests Republicans. Right. I mean, it's all the stuff that Democrats are obsessed about that Republicans don't care about. And you missed a real opportunity to ask him substantive questions. Um, on Trump's side, though, you know, there's a particular exchange, the one where he said, you're, you know, you're not a good person or whatever. I forget the term he used. You're, you you're, know, a, nasty you're a nasty woman, maybe, yeah, whatever like it that. was. Yeah. Um, referring to – she was asked trying to ask questions about the uh, raid at Mar-a-Lago and his documents and all that kind of thing. Look, here's my problem with Trump. Every time, you know, very simply and, – and understand this is someone I voted for him four times now. Um, <laughs> right. You know, yeah, four times. I get it. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, but – but here's my problem. There was a very good answer and a very obvious answer to that question. And he's got to be better as a candidate this time around. He has to be. And the answer was, Caitlin, you and I both know very well that no previous president has had their home rated like this over the documents they kept that presidents have a right to declassify documents, that we have a right to keep documents, and nobody has been subjected to this treatment. And that was the answer to give. Because what he did last night fired up the base. Great, fine. But nobody who wasn't already voting or willing to vote for him had their mind changed last night. In fact, they were hardened because it was the same combative nastiness Understand, I don't care if you think it's because of fraud or not. Trump, you know, won in 2020, won in 2016. Are you saying there was no cheating then? You know, he won. So one of the differences was that he spent 2016 talking about what he would do and convincing people who didn't like him that they could still vote for him. And right now, he spent the last now three plus years, and I understand he's been treated more unfairly than any politician in U.S. history that I'm ever aware of, by far. He has been the subject of a government conspiracy that, frankly, to me, is far more substantial than the elections fraud claims. Yeah. That what the FBI, the CIA— Far more substantial until, than Watergate. For yeah, much. no, this is, this is the right. scandal of the entire history of our country. Right. This is the worst government scandal in the history. And the government continues to operate as if it's not a scandal, which right. is worse. As does the media. So I, I, I understand his bitterness. I do. But you cannot be a bitter candidate and go win, right? And I, look, I just ran a race. I know— 
what it's like when you're out there being unfairly attacked. And I, I didn't take it to the nearly the level he has. But I know what that's like. I know how that makes you angry. It does. But you've got to control yourself and go up there and present yourself in a way that people who are not already in your corner can say, I will go vote for that person. And he's not doing that. Let me add something and an observation on the media side for a moment with you and get your thoughts on this. Because what was immediately evident to me, and I'm sure to most and to you last night, was Caitlin Collins's interruptions and real-time attempted corrections of fact as if she was – and this is why I think, among other things, she didn't do a good job. It was so obvious to me that she was playing up to her colleagues at CNN. That was unbelievably 100% Wasn't that so obvious? Clear. Wasn't yeah, that no. so obvious? No, it was – I mean, tomorrow morning, right. I better have a I, little I bit I of – I don't want to be right. chewed up right. – chewed up yeah. in my own right. newsroom right. tomorrow morning. Right. Right. And so I'm going to be a combative right. jerk with this president. Right. I'm going to assume that I have the facts. And she didn't repeatedly. Right. She was citing lies. Yeah. She was citing stuff that's yeah, no, totally No, she didn't different. have I mean, the receipts. No. When he asked her She's, for who, he, she right. couldn't come up no, with it. No, she, right. she was an embarrassment to CNN, to the journal, to the profession of journalism. Well, the profession of journalism they is They fouled their own nest, though, in the yeah. aftermath this morning because all of CNN, from what I can tell, and all of MSNBC, from what I can tell, and all of ABC and The View, from what I can tell, were saying that you shouldn't be giving him a platform, which is to say – you shouldn't be giving the leading contender for the Republican nomination a platform, which is to say when Monica Crowley corrected in real time falsely Mitt Romney in the 2012 debate against Obama and then everyone thought that was inappropriate, that is now the new default position. That's the standard. It is our job to these. treat Republicans yes. as – now, look, I, I, I tell you very it clearly, wasn't a this, debate. Was, this was another great example of why if you're the RNC, mm-hmm. um, you do not invite CNN to your presidential debates. You, I, I don't even give them a press pass. I mean, period. They do not get in the room. They don't get in. MSNBC White House has no problem keeping the New York right. Post out of their press right. briefings. So let's let's play fair. Right. Let's play fair. And throw these Democrat operatives with a byline out on their butts where they deserve to go. The DNC refused to allow Fox in 2020 to host a Democratic uh, primary debate. Right. Can we start playing their game? You have to. Let's take a quick – what are you doing to us here, David? Something good? Something redeeming? It's a nice guitar. Yeah, no, this is uh, Never on a Sunday by the Sonuses. A palate cleanser. We'll all be on the same page when we come back. It's been in a lot of movies. Zorba. <laughs> I can see the Queen of England at the state dinner saying, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> you want to keep it? You can keep it. It's up to you, Captain and Tennille. Not butterscotch castles, goodness gracious. Sam Stone is my in-studio guest. You often also bring us a lot of culture. Music is fine if you want to do music, but you did a nice job telling us about uh, lesser-known restaurants that we should 
make more known. Oh, did you yeah, bring so some of that with you today? I, I did, as a Food recommendations? Of fact. Or better yet, food? Uh, I didn't bring food. <laughs> okay. it, it could, the timing is all the wrong. The theory of food. You well, the, the, theory, the theory is right, but the timing is all wrong. Oh, no. I mean, you know, like I, I, I've trained myself now because I'm trying to lose weight to eat at very specific times and specific, you know, kind of amounts and all that. So applaud that. Um, but no, let's talk. Let's talk halal restaurants because okay. I love a good halal restaurant. Okay. So um, uh, Kyber Eastern. Halal, uh-huh. which is right down the street from the studio here at Indian School and 24th Street, is excellent. But it's not as good as a restaurant. And, and a lot of people know that one. It's fantastic. Kyber. It's not as good as one that they actually – there's a great story. The owners partnered together in a restaurant originally called Halal Grill. Oh, okay. That is down at McDowell and 40th Street. Yeah, I've driven it by is, it. It is in a, like, it's behind a little I've ethnic shopping uh, yeah. uh, supermarket. Yeah. It's almost impossible to find. Nobody yeah, even I knows have, it's there. I have, I have seen it. It is some of the best Middle Eastern. So, like, shawarmas or yeah, shish I mean, kebab you know, type stuff? Or? Like, Pakistani, Indian. Now, this isn't Middle Indiana Eastern. Jones and the Temple of Doom stuff. It's no. not going to be. Eating with your hands, that kind of weird No, uh, you know, but it is delicious. because okay, I worry about that. Well, I don't like anything that moves on my plate. Right, I don't, right. I mean, right. even Jello is right. suspect. Right, You know, right. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to stay where it's at until I pick it up. I, come on, no. But do tell me on Thanksgiving the cranberry sauce you want is the shimmery cranberry sauce from the can that maintains the mold. Tell me okay, that you do. Want. That's the one that you're that's right. That's you're right. right. This right. is the one exception right. to the rule. Yeah. The ocean spray can, right? right. That is cranberry gelatinous right. cranberry right. sauce that maintains the shape of right. the can once it's yes is exactly the only the cranberries only you're supposed to eat. Cranberry sauce you're supposed to eat, it's and the, the only best. thing that moves it. that you right. No, it is. It's that's proof that God loves us, huh? It proves it's that proof that God loves us. No, that is yes. that is true okay. because you can you can spend a lot of time trying to make your own cranberry sauce and it will stink. Yeah, compared to that ocean spray in a can. That's right. Um, so yeah, no, but uh, Halal Grill, nobody knows it's there. Okay. Highly, highly recommend that spot. Okay. Um, fantastic for takeout. Good rice. Great rice. Yeah. You know, that I like yellow kind of. Yeah, yeah. Also the jasmine rice, yeah. which is one Good. of my favorite yeah, things. I really like jasmine rice. Um, they're fantastic. Um, and then there's a couple of just generally, folks. I, I haven't actually found a bad one yet here. Peruvian restaurants, Peruvian cuisine. Nobody knows. I don't. Peruvian cuisine is fantastic. What would be like a staple? Well, so, I mean, they have a lot of like, it's kind of like meat and uh-huh. potatoes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of very, like Lomo Saltado is, is beef and, you know, potatoes. Easy and, for you to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my, my favorite dish at any Peruvian restaurant is a chicken dish called ají de gallina. And it is a, I, I believe it's like an almond cream sauce uh, mixed with the chicken. I don't know exactly how they make it. I just know it has a very kind of yellow look and very nutty flavor, usually served over rice. Uh, and usually with ha- like half a hard-boiled egg thrown on top of it for some unknown reason. But, you know, what the heck? Eat it anyway. It's fantastic. Peruvian cuisine you can- almost cannot go wrong with. George Will once said that the four most important words in a democracy are up to a point. And I think my view of that kind of cuisine is that, up to a point. So I like the Persian room. Okay. 
Right, but I, I, here's my thing on that up to a point. Okay. You can find your up to a point dish at a place that's more authentic <laughs> than that, right. and that's better. Okay. okay? I mean, right. like, that's, that's just the thing. Like, especially when you're looking for ethnic restaurants where it's not, like, French, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. That right. doesn't count. That doesn't count. European cuisine is not ethnic. Yeah, except for German food, which is ethnic and disgusting. Yeah, I don't know that. Okay, good. All right, let's come back. Let's Wiener talk about Schnitzel's nasty man. There's no getting around this one. <laughs> but we like a hot dog. Is which that is German? That's German. Is that German? We like deli. I think we just took sausage and turned it into an American thing. Here. All right, fair enough. We made it better. We're like BASF to that's, food. We didn't make the thing. We made the thing that makes the thing better. That's the point of America. (laughs) Nicely done. Let's talk about Title 42 when we come back. This is going to be a biggie. This is going to be a big one. Biggie doesn't cover it. Yeah, it doesn't cover it. Sam Stone and I will be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my in-studio guest, political consultant. Sam the Paul, P-O-L, or Paul, however you prefer it, on uh, Twitter. He is the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturdays at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. Uh, Title 42 expires in about an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, as as far as I know, it's like 9 p.m. Eastern, Mm -hmm. so about an hour and 15 minutes from now. And there's been some photos out there today. You may you may have seen them, folks, of literally miles long oh. chains of of humans. Oh. Um, New York City. There was a press conference today. One of their folks was saying, "Hey, we've been getting three to four hundred people a day from this. We now expect you know thousands per it's the day." Only immigration to New York City, by the way. Right? Yeah. Really no, those are the only the only people. It's the only growth. Um, and and my favorite thing of the last 48 hours, least favorite thing, realistically, but is is Secretary Mayorka saying, you know, I mean, really just brushing it off and saying, well, there's lots of jobs that we have and, and lots of people who that. want to come here and fill them. I couldn't believe he said it. I like, couldn't believe it. That was a perfect admission of the actual border policy of the Biden administration, which is not to have a border. I mean, this, this um, app that they have built – Literally, just fill out some stuff, not actually require any documentation, no information, none of that, and you make an appointment to come arrive illegally in the United States. That's the point of the app. It's a travel – I mean, it's a travel aid. Yeah, of course. It's a green light. Yeah. I mean, this administration – If you're going to come here illegally, come here illegally this way. I, it's hard not to credit the idea that this administration's ultimate purpose and the Democrats' ultimate purpose now is the destruction of this country. You have to wonder. Yesterday, Joe Biden had a gaggle, uh, you know, where the press puts a lot of microphones in front of him. And, um, and gives him questions that he has written down. In- well, in this case, I don't know, because they had Marine One's helicopter rotor blades circulating to create a extra amount of noise that I think created a certain amount of distortion. And I don't know if he was prepared for this. Karin Jean-Pierre was right by his side. And one of the reporters uh, asked him if he's expecting uh, with the expiration of Title 42 for there to be chaos. And he said the border has been chaotic for the last several years. And I thought, whoa, 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 stop, stop the tape. Mayorkas and Biden need to go outside, get their story straight and come back in. Right. 
because Mayorkas has been telling us for the past two years that it's secure and closed. Well, I mean, look, they, they, this administration, not Biden himself, because you can't trust a senile guy to gaslight your, get, to light the gas lamp properly here, you know. But the rest of his administration does. They just flat out lie to the American public. I mean, if they say it's red, they're, then the color is actually blue. I mean, there really is no truth at all to most of what comes out of Corinne Jean Pierre's mouth. She said Biden reduced illegal immigrant entrance by ninety percent a week ago. Yeah, I mean, that, this is the kind of and, thing that— And that, that wasn't a lie, according to CNN, and that wasn't <laughs> fact-checked in real or other time. Well, I mean, look, they, the entire industry of fact-checking at this point, yeah. it's there for one and one. It's there to rear-guard Dems when they get caught in their lies. I mean, it's there to rear-guard Dems when they get caught in their lies, and it's there to be the spear tip against Republicans when they're telling the truth. Right. I mean, so look, you know, every time Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post shows up, he wants to hand out Pinocchios. That guy's nose stretches from Washington to San Francisco. Right. Nicely put. Nicely put. So, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting, I was mentioning um, I was mentioning this to uh, to someone earlier today that. You know, in a lot in Phoenix, a lot of people who don't live here will say, well, you must be, you know, ground floor on this. And interestingly enough, you know, we're probably closer to the border than most people in Texas. But Texas has a worse situation. I mean, the influx in Texas is greater. I think the greatest port of entries, uh, illegal port of entries are Texas. And then we come in second or third. Yuma is second, Yuma's right? And then Douglas second. is like third. And yeah. then then interestingly, California is, is like fourth, right? Yeah, because which they have a wall. That's why. Right. Well, not only do they have a wall, but they don't have a lot of jobs or places people want to live. Up, right. right. Like, I mean, you know, it's hard to make a living in California if, if you don't make a ton of money. Right. So the truth is there's not as much illegal immigration going to that state as there is to to this one and others. But Phoenix is going to see it. Yeah, They're going to see it because these uh, sanctuary cities, otherwise known as nullification towns like Tucson, are going to be sending them here. Yeah. The reason, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons you don't see it as much here, it's not as visible here, is because we've been growing. Mm -hmm. And the reality is those folks are getting absorbed. They're getting in. They're getting jobs. They're getting paid under the table. They're not ending up on the street with the consistency that they are in some of these these big blue cities where, frankly, there just aren't many jobs to be had and no no housing to live in. So they also have obviously a higher Hispanic population here, some more likelihood that they have relatives here in Texas and in New Mexico and some of these other states, and they're getting absorbed into those households, at least initially. Um, you know, look, I think there there is a good you – know, the, the worst part about Mayorkas' statement is it's true we have a lot of jobs of that need to be filled. And one of the things that's bothered me for years, Democrats like to say that uh, people are coming here to, to do jobs Americans won't. That's not true. They're coming here to do jobs that the federal government pays Americans not to do. That's right. Um, but it's really – say it again. That can't be underlined heavily enough. Would you repeat that, please? Yeah. People are coming here illegally to do jobs that the federal government pays Americans not to do. Thanks. I mean if you, you're, you make more money if you are a welfare recipient – than you do working in a lettuce, in a field picking lettuce, you're going to sit on your couch and collect welfare, and that's what happens here. Mm-hmm. So and take painkillers, right? That's this is this is the breakdown of of America. Seven million American men of working age doing just that. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's that's an intentional outcome, yep. right? I mean, 
Democrats have been very clear for decades that dependent voters are their single most important and reliable voting block for obvious reasons. We also spent two years telling people work wasn't important. Right. And and this is as school wasn't well. And, and you know, look at the trouble people have been reporting this having dealing with millennials and now Xennials yeah. in the yeah. workplace. Right. Um, you have two very entitled generations that have been, frankly, deliberately miseducated in our government run schools. Yep. Um, and so, you know, they, it's understandable that those generations struggle in a workplace where there are expectations of accurate output. Because they've never experienced a demand in their life for accurate output. Yeah, who is uh, who's our uh, who's our professor friend uh, who who's the editor at First Things? I'm blanking on his name. Former English professor at Emory. I'll think of his name in a moment. Mark Bauerlein has that book, "The Dumbest Generation Grows yep. Up." And what we have found now is we have yes, the young generations you've said, but we also, due to this kind of molly coddling of the last thirty years, is we have uh, we have uh, children in adult bodies. That's what we have. Yeah, if, if you're our age or older, if you're in your forties or older, y- your your remembrance of what school was when you went through it is nothing at all like what's right. been experienced right. since then. Right. Well put. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. You just heard Larry Elder uh, talking about our friends at Y-Refi, and they are our friends. They have a great investment opportunity in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this collateralized and secure portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return, fixed interest rate. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're up on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there, and uh, you're not going to be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. If you tell them you play trumpet, one of them may show you one of his and ask you to play a little. They did that with me last time I was there. But when you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. It is a due diligence approved firm, and you can run up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. Last word on the media, Sam, while I still have you here. You're so good at this. There was a major landmark story yesterday with what the House Over- Oversight Committee unveiled about nine Biden family members and millions of dollars that flowed to them from uh, the communist Chinese and other countries that we didn't even know they were profiting from. Uh, this is th- these are astounding. Astounding. Revela- I mean, but get this headline. Just bear with me one second. This had ABC, CBS, NBC gave zero seconds to that story last night or this morning. Take it away. Well, look, that's that is par for the course media malpractice for those networks. I mean, that is what it is. This is this is another huge story. Frankly, we talked about earlier that the uh, the attack on Trump by our nation's intelligence agencies, the FBI, the CIA, all of these things is a bigger story than Watergate. Absolutely true. This is an equally big story. But my favorite part of this whole story is how stupid it makes the entire Biden family look. Um, because I'm sorry, didn't you spend a whole bunch of 
time around the Clintons who managed to steal hundreds of millions of dollars for themselves through the Clinton Global Initiative and nobody batted an eyelash because they used, you know, semi-legal looking forms. These people are actual morons and they're engaged in a direct corruption scheme. Uh, There is not one family member, including Joe Biden, who I assume has an IQ over 80 at this point. Well, I'll tell you this, um, you know, when you think about what the media would do if there were nine Trump family members oh, or this, five or four or three or two. The the segment that started on NBC last night would not have finished right. yet. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. It would still be. That's right. All right. Thank you, Sam Stone. Again, check him out every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. right here on this station, Breaking Battlegrounds. It's a great show. Follow him on Twitter at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. And um, what do we got coming right up? George Kaloff. Don't go away. We'll be right back.